everybody in the house and all of you who are watching online. It's so good to be with you on this Memorial Day weekend. And it's a good long weekend, and it's a weekend before we get out of school. I'm praying for every parent out there, okay? Like, uh, but yeah, I do want to just quickly say that, that, you know, when we take this time in Memorial Day weekend, that, that doing what we do and grilling and having fun, hopefully, and taking a long weekend, but we, we do have our freedoms, and we get to worship the way that we want to worship here because uh, there are men and women who, who put their lives on the line so that we can have those freedoms and continue to have those freedoms. And Memorial Day is a, is a, it's a time where we recognize that, where we honor those who, who did pay the ultimate price for us to do that, what we want to do. And so I just do want to say thank you to all of you who do serve. And, and this is a time where we just especially honor the families uh, of lost ones and that we are praying for you and we do thank you. Uh, and thank them for their service. So, so I just want to make sure I recognize that to say thank you for everything. Yeah, yeah, listen, we praise you, God, for you. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, with that said, uh, we are in week number 21 of our series where we're looking uh, at God's story. And so I want to tell you up front here, the next two weeks are going to look a little different than what we normally do. And here's why. We're going to have to go through some history stuff, all right? It's going to be like a classroom kind of deal. And uh, here's, here's why I'm saying it's going to look a little different, all right? I do believe God will do whatever he wants to do, so I, I'm out of the way of that. But uh, when I come up here, there are really three things that I believe I always want to see happen. Uh, and so I want us to know, to think, and to feel. That's kind of where I'm at with when I pray through these things. That, uh, and here's what I mean, that, that we know what God's word says, right, first of all, that causes us to think uh, about our lives and our faith and how that, what God's word said, impacts us. And then the Holy Spirit kind of causes us to, to move in a way or change something, to be encouraged or uplifted, that we, that we know, we think, and we feel. I think if we can get those three done, things done, I believe that's the best way uh, to receive the word of God. And so um, my hope is that all three of these will still get accomplished today. We're going to be a, a lot more on that no end. Uh, but, uh, but here's what I know. Some of you are going to like this. Some of you, this ain't going to be your cup of tea. And that's okay. Because uh, here's what I know. The, the word of God will still be open. And I believe the Holy Spirit will still be working. So I, I'm not really worried about that. Uh, and I know that he could do uh, way more than, than I'm ever capable of. And here's what I know. As I was diving into this. Uh, this week, I know that what it did for me. It did a lot of great things, and I'm hoping and praying the same for you as well. So what we're going to do today is we are going to look at all of the prophets of the Old Testament. Aren't you glad you came, right? Like, you take a sip of coffee. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and, and get them open. We're going to be in 1 Kings 22. 1 Kings 22. Now, as you're getting there, 1 Kings 22, as I said, prophet... Here's what's happening. There are a lot of thoughts that are coming to your minds, right? Actually, I think there are three big things that most folks are thinking of when I say the word prophet. Uh, one is that maybe you're thinking of a wizard, like Merlin or, or Gandalf or something, right? That's what you're thinking of when I say like the hat and everything, right? That might be something that you're thinking of. Uh, another thought might be like a weirdo. Like, they were weird. They were kind of weird. And so, like, you know, you got their all unkempt and nappy looking. And they got this bulgy eyes like, the end is nigh, right? Like, I don't know. Thinking about that. Or maybe some of you aren't thinking of that. Maybe you're thinking of like a wise man. Like you're thinking of like, you know, when Jesus was born in the wise man. Or you know what? Maybe that's what I'm thinking of and I'm putting that on you and I'm sorry if I did that. Maybe you're not thinking of those things. Uh, but man, whatever thought you have, we're, we're gonna get into that. So, so here's where we are. Last week, we left off in God's story with Elijah who was a prophet of God. 
uh, and he was in a showdown or a face-off with Ahab, who was the king of Israel. Now remember, right now uh, Israel is in a divided kingdom. That's really important to keep remembering is that we had the northern kingdom called Israel, and then we had the southern kingdom called Judah. And so at this point in time, Elijah just gets fed up, and he goes, okay, enough, enough. He's talking to God's people. He said, enough is enough. Like you're wishy-washy on your faith, like either worship God or worship Baal, which represented a bunch of different gods. And so he, he called all of them to the carpet and had a showdown between God and Baal. And God wins, and all the people fall on their knees and say, no, God is real, God is right, and they, they come back to God. And so we are not too far past that event with where we're going to be today. So Ahab is still the king of Israel, and here's what's happening. There's, there's a piece of land uh, that belongs to Israel, but it's occupied by another people group. And so Ahab actually reaches out to the king of the southern kingdom, to, to the guy, you might know his name, his name is Jehoshaphat. And he says, hey, I want this land, it's really it's about God's people thing, not the divided kingdom, will you help me? And Jehoshaphat says, I'll help you, uh, but there's one condition. This is what we're going to pick up here in verse 5. Here's what it says. It says, But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, Ahab, First, I want you to seek the counsel of the Lord. And so Ahab brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and he asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And here's what they said. They said, Go, for the Lord will give it to the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, Hey, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here uh, whom we can inquire of? Because Here's what's going on. Here's what Jehoshaphat knew. He said, hey, man, those guys seem like a whole bunch of yes men. Like, I'm not so sure about these guys. They're called prophets, but uh, they're just guys who he surrounds himself with that, that are more about him than about God. So, so here's one thing we need to know as we jump into this point in time in God's story. Prophets then are like a dime a dozen. They're, they're, they're everywhere, they're all over the place, they're just everywhere. Now, uh, it's hard for us to kind of understand that, but I do believe it's the same. Prophets then are kind of the same as churches today. That's a good example, right? So any given town that you're in, there's dozens of them. If you go to a bigger town or a city, there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of churches all over. So it's kind of the same thing uh, with the prophets, okay? And a lot of them were there. Uh, to just tell you what you want to hear. That's what a lot of prophets were saying. They, they're not representing God as much as they're representing their own self-interest or their status or just their, the, how connected they are to the king. And, and I do want to tell you, I mean, unfortunately, that's the way some churches are as well, that, that they, there are churches around that they say they represent God, but they're just kind of telling you what you want to hear. That they're more kind of talking about you than they're talking about God. They're talking about Jesus and and so we always got to be aware of that. But here's what I'll tell you. There are always indicators. There's, I think God will show you and reveal to you when the false ones are around. And this is what Jehoshaphat is picking up on. He's like, hey, that doesn't seem right. That's not passing the test. And he's like, they don't seem to be representing God. They're not even really acquiring him. They're not even really asking him. So he goes, do you have anybody else? And so here's what Ahab says. The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, yeah, there's, there's still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He's Micaiah, son of Imla, okay? And so uh, Micaiah, here's, he is a disciple of Elijah. Elijah had four disciples. Uh, Micaiah is one of them, and this is just interesting. No, this is the only place you'll see him in the entire Bible. And so he's a legit prophet of God. Uh, he's not just a dude with a label like all these other hundreds of guys were. And Ahab hated him. 
Because he's like, he always says bad stuff about me. Now, here's the thing. It's kind of funny, right? But here's the thing. If you're kind of a bad dude, you're tending to get some bad news from God. I'm just saying, that's kind of a connector there. Just, just saying, all right? So Ahab hated him. And so he goes, to, they go find Micaiah. And here, here it is, verse 12. They go grab him. And it says, all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. And so then the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah, here's what he said to him. Hey, look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting the same thing, success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs. Speak favorably. He's trying to watch out for him. He's like, man, you don't want to get killed or anything. But here's why we're looking at this today to start this off. But Micaiah said, hey, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. So he gets Micaiah. This is the great part. We're not going to read it, but brings him to, uh, to Ahab. And Ahab asks him the same thing. And it's kind of funny because Micaiah sarcastically is like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You know, get the victory is yours, whatever. And Ahab picks up on a sarcasm. And he goes, no, 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 no. Don't, don't say what everybody else is saying. What is God really saying? And Micaiah is like, I can just feel him just going, okay, whatever, okie dokie. You're not going to like what I have to say. Uh, and here's what he says. He goes, you asked for it. So then Micaiah answered. I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each go home in peace. And so what he's saying is he's like, you're going to get killed out there and everybody's going to be scattered. It's going to be bad news, okay? And so then it says that Ahab said, didn't I tell you that he never prophesied anything good about me, but only bad, okay? And so, so then what Ahab does is he actually... Um, grabs Micaiah, puts him in prison, and he goes, I'll deal with you when I get back from battle. And Micaiah basically walks around and goes, okay, you ain't coming back. I mean, I hate to tell you that. And he doesn't. All right, Ahab gets killed. Uh, now, why I wanted to start there today is one, because that's kind of where we left off last week in God's story. But two, I believe that that, that in there represents what I could best describe as what a prophet was, who they were, and what they were all about. Because these were guys, what we're about to read and look into today, these were guys who didn't have like these supernatural abilities or anything like that, uh, but they were just simply saying this, hey, listen, I just have to say what God is telling me to say. And that's what Micaiah said as well. And he's saying, you're probably not going to like it. You're probably going to hate me. You're going to mock me. You're going to ostracize me. Or worse off, you might even kill me. And here's the thing, gang. Uh, for most of them, not, not all of them, but for most of them, they knew it. Like they knew that what they were about to say, there would be hundreds of other voices saying the exact opposite thing. And, and so most of the time they were unpopular, uh, but it was what was needed to be heard. And they said, I'm going to be bold and I'm going to tell you what I know God is saying. And, and by the way, these were guys who loved God and they also loved the people of God. And so we are entering into a time now from basically this until we get done with the Old Testament where you just need to know wherever we're on God's story, there are prophets that are representing God. They're, they're messengers that God, they're all over there in the story uh, from now until we get to Nehemiah at the end. Uh, they're just gonna be around, okay? Uh, and so if you have your notes out there, hopefully you grabbed one. I kind of gave you a basic outline uh, of the prophets and an overview of them in the Old Testament, when they were, where they were. I didn't get like really specific, but I just thought that that might be useful for you to see which kingdom they were in and all that stuff. And we're gonna talk about that here in a little bit. But before we get to that, I did think it would be helpful for some of us to understand something. I, I want us to understand how the Old Testament is arranged. And here's why I wanna talk about this for a few minutes, because when I first uh, became a Christian, 
uh, I didn't know this. Nobody, nobody told me about the Old Testament. And so when I was trying to read it, I, I remember getting really frustrated because it felt so scattered. It didn't feel like it, it was connected. I didn't understand why it seemed so difficult for me to read. But here's what I learned. And it took me a while to learn, unfortunately, but I finally got it. So what we need to know about the Old Testament, and some of you know this, but some of you I, might help you. Uh, the Old Testament is actually arranged in groups, not chronologically. Okay, it's arranged in groups and not chronologically. So uh, here's the groups really quick, and we'll leave this up here for a minute. Uh, and again, I just think this will help some of us as you read your Bible, because I, I believe some of you are frustrated too when you try to read. And it, it, here's, here's the thing, it's, it doesn't read like you think it should read, but it's because it's arranged in groups and not chronologically. So, so let me break this down really quick, and it might help you before we get to it. So there are four big groups in the Old Testament. That's how it is arranged. The first group is, we're going to call it the law. And that's the first five books, and it is chronological from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And Moses wrote all five of these, okay? And that's what we just got through a few weeks ago. We got through all of those. Uh, and so that's uh, going from creation all the way to God establishing this community of Israel, God's people, and the, and the laws, and how do you obey Him, how you follow Him. That's the first section, okay? Then the, the second section is what we'll call the historical section. And that includes 12 books, okay? And it's the next 12 books. And for the most part, those are chronological as well. It goes from when Moses died uh, all the way to the end, where it's Nehemiah is the end, but Esther is the last book in this, this section. Esther kind of in between Ezra and Nehemiah. It's during that same time. But it's 12 books from Joshua to Esther. And that just is the history of God's people and all that stuff. Now, this is where it gets a little scattered. The next group is what's called the poetical Section, all right, and that's five books, and it goes from Job to the Song of Solomon. Okay, uh, and so here's where this gets a little loopy because uh, those books are, with the exception of Job, they're scattered in the historical section. Okay, so if some of you do have a chronological Bible, that's what you'll see that you'll see a Psalm in First Kings, and you'll see. Uh, you know, a, a proverb where Solomon is because that's where these were written. And all the Psalms were written by David. They were written all kinds of different times. And so they're scattered in the historical section. Now, I say with the exception of Job is because scholars don't agree on when Job was written. There, there are some, so I'm not saying I know either. Uh, some say that it was uh, way before the historical section. It was around when Abraham was born is when Job was written. Some believe that it was also during the king. So I would suggest to treat Job as kind of an individual book and not in that order of scattered. And, and again, it's, it's a poetic book, so it's contained in the poetic section. And then the last section, the fourth one, is the prophets, okay? It's the prophetical section. Uh, and so even though they're at the very end of, of most of our Old Testaments, they are also scattered through the historical section. And these guys are not all in chronological order as you read that section either. They're just all in all different places depending on where you're reading the historical section. And so in there are 17 books, all right, 17 books. And so there are four major prophets and there are 12 minor prophets. And I did do the math right. I know that adds up to 16, uh, but there are only 16 guys. Uh, Jeremiah wrote two books in, in this. That's why there's 17 uh, and not 16. He also wrote the book of Lamentations. Okay, so he has uh, two books. And so that's kind of how this is laid out. I just, I don't know, maybe it'll help some of you. I know some of you are like, oh, I knew that. Well, good for you. Okay, so anyways, uh, I didn't, and it really did help me when I finally understood, oh, okay, so 
Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so uh, it just shows how it's organized. Uh, all right, now let's get to it. If you have your notes, let's grab those and let's look at this really quick. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that we need to know about a prophet. Here's what a prophet is. It's very basic, very simple. A prophet is just someone who speaks for someone else. That's it. That's what a prophet is. It's one who speaks for someone else. So it's not mysterious. It's not complicated. Uh, a prophet is a representative of someone else's authority. I have a prophet. I didn't know if you knew that. She's seven years old, and her name is Roxy, okay? Uh, and I'll tell you, she loves being my prophet. If I tell her to go tell Henry and Mommy something, she walks off like a prophet does, like all just like she's ready to tell them the message from Dad, and you better believe that she puts some boldness behind it. And so she loves to say, Dad says. She loves saying that, and she gets frustrated when they don't listen, just like the prophets of the Old Testament do as well. So I have a prophet. And, uh, by the way, uh, she's also a false prophet every now and then. I'm just saying, like, so, so I... I always tell my family, test everything, okay? Like, test everything to see if that follows the character of your dad, okay? Um, that's what a prophet is. That's the primary job. They're just representing somebody else. And so now, and there were prophets of all kinds of different things. There weren't just prophets of God. But for us, the prophets of God, uh, they're, they're, if you have your notes there, I have it in there for you. There are three terms that actually define the prophets. Two of them kind of mean the same thing. Uh, and so here they are. Uh, so the first two is called Hose or Rohe. These are the Hebrew words. And what they mean is a visionary or a seer. So that's the first place you'll come across who the prophets are. And so what that really means is that by the power of God, they can envision or see things that others couldn't. And so that's what they really were. For instance, Amos uh, was called a seer. And there's a place there where the king comes up to him and says, get away from me, you old seer. Go prophesy somewhere else. So they were giving details about present or future things that haven't happened yet. So that's one definition. And the second one was Nabi. I'm not sure if I say that right. But it is uh, literally translated to prophet. That's the most common place that you'll find it. It's more often than the first one. Uh, but that's where it's translated as prophet. Uh, and the root word uh, for that is actually, it means to announce, to announce. The, the New Testament, uh, that, that was, that's replaced by the word herald, okay? So, so this is to announce, okay? Uh, so this was someone who was declaring or announcing vital information as a spokesman for God, okay? So uh, that's kind of where we're at. Now, uh, one thing real quick that we need to know, the prophets, uh, they were not the primary teachers or facilitators of God's word. They were not, so those were still up to the priests, all right? The priests were still there. They were in charge of facilitating and making sure the people of God were doing that. So God raised up prophets specifically for specific points in time uh, to deliver a warning or a declaration of some sort for that period of time. So they were not the primary teachers uh, of God's word. So that's the first thing that we need to know. Here's the second thing that we need to know. The difference in the major and minor prophets is length not importance, all right? It's length, not importance. So uh, there are four major prophets and there are 12 minor. And if you have your notes out there, I have them, dis uh, they're distinct or they're, they're different by the, the I have the, the major in capital letters and the minor uh, in, in regular letters. And so what we need to know is, um, so minor doesn't mean they're not as important. They were just as important as everybody else, but it just means that their letters are shorter in length. That's literally all it means. And I think sometimes we get that a little messed up. Um, and so, you know, most of the minor prophets are about a five to 10 minute read. Uh, and Isaiah, for instance, is about a three or four hour read. So that's the difference. That's all the difference is. Uh, and so 
That's one reason why you should read the Minor Prophets, because uh, you could get through it pretty quick, right? It's, it won't take you long to do it. And plus, plus, if you, when you get to heaven, not if, when you get to heaven, and you encounter one of them, and they say, so, how'd you like my letter? I don't want that to be awkward for you, okay? Like, I want you to be able to give them the answer. That might be an incentive to do. That's the second thing to know. Here's the third thing. You know, you run into Amos, you're like, uh, good? I don't know. Okay, third thing. The prophets were more concerned about following God in the present than predicting future events. So they were more concerned about present living than, than predicting these future events and all these things. So uh, now, they were, so they were speaking into God's people at that time and how to live uh, in the current environment and conditions they were in. Now, it doesn't mean there weren't prophecies there. There were absolutely prophecies uh, that some of these guys had, and uh, there were oracles and divine revelations that you'll read. But um, the higher percentage of what these guys were writing uh, about were, man, here's how you live for God. Here's, here's what we do as people who uh, are, are his people, that we live in obedience. Here's how faith looks like in the present conditions that they were, and by the way, which we are still in. We, that's why it pertains to us as well and why we should still read these guys. Um, and so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these guys really quick. Okay, that's kind of the stuff we need to know. We're going to look at these guys real quick. And here's what I was, here's what I felt led to do, all right? Uh, and, and it was a good exercise for me, and I hope it will be as well for you. And so with the exception of Lamentations, uh, I'm just going to give you sort of a, a taste of every one of these guys. I'm going to give you a verse uh, that I believe encapsulates or, or shows us what the, uh, God was doing or saying at that point in time and who these prophets were all about. And, and so this isn't meant to be exhaustive or to take notes on or anything like that. In fact, the, actually most of this was me looking and, and determining for myself what stuck out to me uh, and what I thought, hey, that kind of encapsulates it as I read through them. And so it's just um, meant for us to, to just get a view of these guys okay so and i have them in groups as you look at your notes and so we'll look at the first group the first group were the prophets of israel okay which were jonah amos and hosea and their primary uh role was they were really talking more uh, um, uh amos and hosea were talking about this coming day of the lord that's what they kept talking about this day of the lord because these guys the, the the israel was not following god they were not obedient and they were trying to say man judgment's coming uh, it's going to come, and it's not going to be good because you're going to be taken over, uh, and other people are going to take you over. And so uh, the first one we'll look at is Hosea, and I actually think Hosea is very unique because as you read Hosea, it's really about his marriage to his wife and that, that she's not faithful to him, but God uses that to, to parallel his relationship with Israel. So here's what Hosea says in 3.1. Hosea 3.1 says, The Lord said to me this, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. And here's what God's saying, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cake. So kind of a parallel with us and, and God. Here's Amos, he says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. So again, like judgment's coming. Actually, that's not my favorite verse in Amos. Uh, this is my favorite verse in Amos. Like, I love this because he kind of calls somebody out. Here's what he says in Amos 4. He says, hear this word, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria, you women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and say to your husbands, bring us some drinks. I love that. And see, it's interesting. You know, Amos is interesting. I don't think that encapsulates him. I'm just saying that I like that verse. All right, Jonah. Now, Jonah's interesting, too, because he wasn't talking to the people of God. A lot of us know he was sent to a conquering territory. They were bad dudes, the Ninevites. And here's what I believe stuck out to me about Jonah. 
he's, and again, he's t- this is a really about the people of Israel. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. And I've missed an eye. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So that's the first three guys uh, in the kingdom of Israel. So the next set is going to be the prophets that were in Judah. And as you see on there, that's a longer list of, of, of guys, but it's because that kingdom lasted longer uh, than Israel did. They fell later down, down the line. And so we have a lot of guys in here. And the two primary guys in this section, and they just happen to be major prophets. It's not because they were major prophets, but it's Isaiah and Jeremiah. But why they're uh, kind of the primary guys to read is because they were just there at pivotal times for, for uh, God's people. They were around during those times. And Isaiah, he wrote a lot about sin and judgment, uh, but, but we read him a lot here because he has the most beautiful descriptions, I believe, in the Bible of, of Jesus and, and who he is and what he came to do and his death and on the cross and, and, and all these things. And it, just how he describes God's kingdom, I just love. And so I have two verses in Isaiah uh, this is Isaiah 9, 6. He says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We teach that every Christmas when, when we talk about Jesus coming to earth. And here's Isaiah 61, 1. This is actually something that Jesus said uh, when he started his ministry. This is what Isaiah said. He said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. That's Isaiah. Uh, Love that book. It's a long book, but it's a really good. Uh, Jeremiah is the next one that I want to look at. Now, he was around uh, when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. We're going to talk about that next week a little bit. And and here's what Jeremiah was like. So this was kind of when, this was a big pivotal moment when they got overtaken by other kingdoms outside of there. And so the people were like, oh man, what's going on? I can't believe this. Thought God was gonna protect us. And so Jeremiah uh, is really writing about God's judgment for the people, but he's also saying, hey, you gotta hold on to something because what this is meant to do is to bring you back to God. And, and, and why I say that is because that brings this verse, it's a famous verse into light and into context. A lot of people take this verse out of context. This was very specific to Israel. It doesn't mean we can't read it and say, oh yeah, I'm encouraged. But think about what that was right there, that they were in, they, they were overtaken, and he's trying to tell Israel, just remember this. So this is Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know, and we know this, right? For I know the plans I have for you, Israel. The plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Don't forget that. Then you'll call on me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Just brings a little bit of a, a better perspective into that verse. Here are some of the other guys. We got a lot of other guys in this list. Here's Joel. Uh, Joel says this, Return to the Lord your God, for, for he is gracious, compassionate, he's slow to anger and abounding in love, and he is relents from sending calamity. Here's Obadiah. Obadiah 1.15 says, The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. He's giving warnings, giving these things of God. Here's the next one. Micah, a lot of us know this verse. Uh, He's shown you, O mortal, what is good. He's talking about God. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And here's Nahum. Nahum 1.7 says, Hey, the Lord's good. He's good. Don't forget that. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. I think we have a few more. Yeah, here's Habakkuk 3.2. He says, Lord, I've heard your fame. 
I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. We want to see you, God, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Again, think about where they are as a people group, right? He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So, so there are some encouragements there, even in the warnings and the judgments that, that they were talking to God's people of. So that's, that's all the prophets that were happening in Judah. Uh, and now the next two guys, again, if you're following along in that list, are Ezekiel and Daniel. Okay, now they come along at a time where all of Israel was taken captive. Now, nobody's free, freely living as God's people anymore. Uh, so all of them are in captivity and control by the enemies that were around them. And these guys, especially uh, Daniel, uh, they were more talking about God's sovereignty. Like, hey, don't forget, God's in control of all this. Even though, and what they're saying is, even though it doesn't seem like it, even though it doesn't look like it, because they're looking around, they're like, all these people are not living for God. Like, we're in a government that doesn't live for God. They're like, don't forget, God's in control. He's got a, a plan, and he's over history. He's over empires. He's over kings. He's over all of it, even when it doesn't look like that. And, and Daniel even goes on to describe a lot of things about heaven and, and God's kingdom. And so here, here are these guys. This is what Ezekiel says. He goes, and, and again, think about that. He goes, hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a new heart. I mean, you are. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. Don't forget, I'm, I'm going to restore this. I will remove you from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And here's what Daniel says. He says, he, again, talking about God and just that they were in the dark of like, what's going to happen next? Hey, God reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells within him. So that's what was happening during those times of captivity. And then the, the last set... Uh, are, are the rest of the guys and so we got Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi and so this is during a time where they came out of that captivity and they were rebuilding they're in, we're going to be in that in a few weeks uh, and so they're talking about rebuilding Jerusalem because it was all torn down, all destroyed and so these guys are talking more about rebuilding God's kingdom rebuilding this community and, and restoration and what it looks like and they were pointing to also uh, the forever thing that we get with God, that, that there is a greater existence for us and, and just how to live in communion with God again. And so that's what these guys were mostly about. So here's Haggai. It says this. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. And, and think about this from what we just said. So they're coming back to restore the kingdom. So he said, yeah, but give careful thought here because you planted much but harvested little. Don't forget about your ancestors don't forget about what you just came from you eat but never have enough you drink but never have your fill you put on clothes but, uh, but are not warm you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it so he's like don't you know let's start new let's start fresh don't go back to your old ways here's Zechariah he says hey this is what the Lord says return to me and, and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty what a great message that he has for them coming back and then Malachi says my name this is what God's saying my name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets everywhere. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. So that's all of them. We just got through them all. How you feel? Pretty good. We just got through all the problems. wasn't that bad, was it? I hope. I was upstairs with Henry going through this and I got through some of them and he goes, man, that's really boring, Dad. I'm like, thanks. And then I went through another section. He goes, that's, that got better. And I'm like, okay, thanks, man. So hopefully that was okay. Um, but that's just a window into what these guys were about and, and what God was doing with them at these specific times. Uh, and, and I just want to encourage you to read them. 
read them. Now, if you are in our reading plan that we have out there, you can still grab them. Uh, you did read some of these guys more in chunks than the whole uh, letter that they had. But maybe what, what I want to challenge you to do is maybe pick a few and read through them all. Uh, read through all their letters. Read through the, the minor ones and the major ones. And uh, here's if you do, if you do take that challenge, read these guys. Here's the last note that I have. Last note. Uh, if you do read these, I, I want to encourage you to read them in a, in a certain way. That, that we read these guys with Jesus' eyes. That's how I, how I say it. Read these guys with Jesus' eyes, and I think this will help you. I really do. And this is what I mean by that. So here, here's why I believe there's a challenge for us to read some of these prophets, okay? There's a challenge. There's barriers there. That, and I think that's probably why a lot of us would say, I didn't really read through all these prophets. Uh, and I hope today helped some of you uh, with that, with what we talked through. But, but two big things. One is... Um, some of these are hard to follow, right? That's one reason. Like, how is it hard to follow? I don't understand. Like, uh, there's oracles and these poems and all this stuff. And, and some of and I'll tell you, some of them do get weird. Uh, they really do. Some of them get weird. Like, there's one guy who, for some reason, he, like, laid in the dirt and just started making these models of Jerusalem. And uh, there, Isaiah walked around naked for three years, okay? Like, it is weird. It gets weird, all right? And it was an expression of, of uh, the vulnerability and nakedness of... Uh, anyways, okay, anyways. And so... so it does get weird, but, but I want to encourage you to push through that. Push through that with Jesus' eyes. The other reason why a lot of people don't read is because they say it doesn't pertain to me. That they, they were talking to Israel. They were talking about a specific time and place, and a lot of these things already came to be, and, and so I don't have to really uh, worry about that, and they happened thousands of years ago. So it seems like we're not really reading anything that pertains to me, but I hope again today that you see that it does. There are some things, and he, here's why. Because here's why we still need to read them, and here's why God wants us to have them. Two reasons. Because one, we still fight with the same sins, everybody. Amen? We still fight with the same things that they were fighting. Idolatry, religiosity, uh, living for culture and not for God, uh, for instance. Like, we still struggle with those th same things. And here's the second reason, is that we have the same hope. We share the same hope as they did back then. So yeah, there's a lot about disobedience and there's uh, consequences and judgment and oracles. There's a lot of historical stuff in there. Uh, but here's what also is in there. They're also talking about the beauty of God in there. They're talking about his majesty and how wonderful he is and how amazing he is. They teach us about joy. It teaches about God's sovereignty and there's messages of hope. And here's what I hope you'll see, that Jesus is all over it. He is all over because when we start to see it with Jesus' eyes, We'll see in there, here's what we'll see, that Jesus, they say this about Jesus, he's our peace. They say it in there. He's wonderful, that he's mighty, that he's everlasting, that he's our hope. That's what they say, that, that he is the one who will restore and make things right and new, and that there will be a day where his kingdom will reign forever, and we will see nothing but him, and that's all that will be left. And so I do believe there's still a lot for us to learn from these guys. And here's what will happen if you read them with the right eyes. When we read them with Jesus' eyes, here's what you'll, I believe will happen. You will come to know Jesus better, and you will have a deeper joy about him and his glory. I believe that. So I want to challenge us to do that a little bit more. So, so let's pray. God, uh, thank you that we have this. Thank you that we have this marker, these these historical times where you are still working, where you are calling us out, where you're warning us, where you're loving us, where, where all these things are happening. And thank you for the prophets. Thank you for them who, they were in the face of hundreds at times of people saying the same thing, but they said, I have something else to say, the boldness that they had. And thank you for, for the records that we have of them, that we could be challenged 
by what you have to say through them, that we could be encouraged by the message of the hope about Jesus in there, that, that I believe that, that there are so many things in there that will cause us to love you more, have a better lasting joy, have more foundation in the hope that we have in Jesus. And so I do pray that today, God, us from here to there a little bit, that we, that we, that we came to know, think, and feel that, that we're ushered into to a greater relationship with you as a result. We love you, and we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, go out there and read a prophet today. How about that?